0: How are the leaders at all levels of management tackling the toughest challenges each day? That's the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'm bringing on the brightest minds in management to share practical solutions to those challenges you're facing. Let's get ready to jam. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Leadership Jam session. Today's guest is Tim McElderry, who is the Director of Commercial Leadership Training and has over 30 years of management experience in the healthcare industry. And in this episode, you're going to hear Tim talk about his leadership journey, which includes hearing about a personal leadership model he created and a new leadership adventure that he recently embarked on. Tim, welcome to Leadership Jam Session. Thank you, Rob. It's an honor to be here. Well, it's an honor having you on. Uh, Are you ready to jam? I am so
1: ready to jam. Looking forward to it.
0: All right, so you obviously have a a long and successful track record of leading teams, and and along your your leadership journey, apparently you created a personal leadership model, yeah. and I would love to hear more about that,
1: and and
0: even what led you to to creating it. Yeah,
1: well, without telling too long of a story, to take you back a little bit, I was a twenty six year old manager. I, I started with a company straight out of college. I did relatively well in a sales position, and like uh, most people back then, you know, they tended to promote individual contributors that were successful and I had won a couple of awards. And so the obvious thing for our company to do was to promote me into a leadership position and just to put it in perspective, the team that I inherited had uh, the next youngest person on the team was 35 and I had a 68 year old and a 72 year old reporting to me. So as you can imagine, there were generational issues. There were communication issues. And uh, I didn't get off to the greatest start. I probably could have done better. And and a lot of that, I think, goes back to the fact that back in the day, uh, if you're from my generation, we didn't get a lot of training. Uh, I did go through a psychological assessment uh, that identified me as a potential leader. So I had a little emotional intelligence. I had some decent interpersonal skills. What I did not have were finely tuned leadership skills. Mm -hmm. And I thought that the best way to approach a team was to treat everybody exactly the same. Mm. I thought it was the fair thing to do. Uh, I thought it was, the the best way to make sure that, uh, I was being viewed as being fair to everyone. And the result of that was that I failed to connect with most of them that weren't much like me. And so I, I had to kind of learn on my own, uh, what situational leadership was about without ever being exposed to it. I had to kind of understand that different personalities respond differently to leadership styles and so all of that was literally learning as i went it was not something i was taught and so as as i went through my early leadership career i made a lot of mistakes one of the things that that really helped me was a leadership boot camp that i was involved in many years ago and the gentleman that taught that leadership boot camp felt that it was really important that people connect with their own personal why well, why, why am i doing this why have i chosen a career in leadership Mm-hmm. And why should anybody care? And so we really dug deep a lot of introspective thought around, why do I lead the way that I do? Why do I believe what I believe? And that's what helped me build out my,
0: my leadership model. So your story is, is unfortunately a very common one, right? right. I mean, most individuals don't get that, that training and are just, you know, muddling their way through it. And it could be so much pressure, particularly when you're young, right? Twenty-six year old, and and here you are. Your team is so much older than you, a lot more experienced. I mean, it's a lot of pressure that, that you carry around. And and yeah, it is interesting. Definitely want to hear you know the leadership, your leadership model, because it is a simple question: What's your leadership approach, philosophy? I mean, it gets asked on well, should on any management interview, and yet. When you really sit back and put pen to paper, it does go much deeper, but a lot of people don't put that much thought into it. And so definitely want to hear more about it.
1: Yeah. I I think connecting with why you're doing what you're doing and and being able to articulate that to others is a great way for them to then connect with you. Exactly. Without that, I, I don't think you can get trust to where it needs to be. I don't think you can find ways to motivate others because it's really about intrinsic motivations. Mm-hmm. I've, I've always said people don't motivate other people, right? but if you can tap into what motivates someone, you have the ability to motivate someone else. But just your existence as their leader is not necessarily motivational. It's really important that you kind of connect with those things. So mine, mine is really relatively simple. It's broken down into qualities, into behaviors, and then what I'm trying to achieve, which is ultimately inspiring trust in others. Mm-hmm. And so... What I discovered was as I went back across my leadership career, there were really four qualities that stood out to me in the people that I worked with that always equated to success. Mm-hmm. So you can probably come up with hundreds of things that can, can lead to someone's success, either personally, or professionally, but these four things for me absolutely stood out in the sense that they always contributed to success. And interestingly enough, they spelled out the perfect uh, acronym, W-H-A-T or what. So the first one was work ethic. I believe that if someone works harder than those around them, it's a given. They're going to be successful. Mm -hmm. The H is humility. And it goes back to what you teach a lot around level five leadership. And that you have to be humble. You have to understand that you can't do it alone. You need those around you helping you row the boat. And I've also found that if you appreciate all those that have gotten you where to where you are, that also tends to be uh, a quality that that really stands out from, from a success standpoint. The mm-hmm. A is attitude, positive attitude. If you're a glass half full person, you're just simply inherently going to do better than people that look at world through a more negative lens. And finally, the team is for team first. And so what I've discovered, and this goes all the way back to my High school and college playing days and athletics was that those people that put the team above themselves were incredibly successful. Those that put themselves above the team, it was kind of hit or miss. So what was work ethic, humility, attitude, and team first? And then the behaviors for me kind of came back to the relational side of things. So there were just five of them. One is caring. And if you genuinely show that you care for someone above and beyond a working relationship, if, if the things in their life that are important to them become important to you, it's incredible how well, uh, you can, can lead others. Yeah. Clear expectations. Rob, you and I, you and I've talked about this a lot, but if yes. people don't know what's expected of them, there's, there's going to be gaps. There's going to be challenges. Connecting is another one for me. And that is similar to caring, but in the sense that you go, you go deeper and try to find out again, what is important to that person? What are their intrinsic motivators? Why do they do what they do? If you can tap into those, you can, you can have a tremendous impact as a leader. Yeah. I also feel like you need to lead by example. So I have had a few leaders in my life and I see you nodding that, that didn't necessarily do what they said. It was more of those do what I say, not what I do. And that also creates a disconnect that, that I don't know that you can overcome, Mm -hmm. especially when you're trying to build trust with others. And then finally it was just higher purpose. And What I mean by that is people need to feel a part of something bigger than themselves. If you want someone to go the extra mile, give that discretionary effort to be simply great at what they're doing, inevitably it comes back to why am I doing this? It's it's usually not just for themselves. It's for the common good or for the the you know the success of the company or whatever the case may be. So those together with finding the right types of qualities in people have always led to success for me and ultimately lead to trust with others.
0: I love the model, right? It's very simple. So, let me just repeat it. Right? So, it's the what is the work ethic, humility, attitude, team first. And then the behaviors, right? Is caring, clear expectations, higher purpose, lead by example and connecting. It's all leading towards, you know, inspiring trust. Yeah. You hit all the the, the key themes that I love and, and and preach and teach. So, I'm curious. You said you know, you made a lot of mistakes, right? When you first became a leader. And so looking at your model, was there any of these that, that as you reflect back and and say, yeah, I wish this was one that that I knew or one that I leveraged more. I didn't realize it back then.
1: I think it was the connecting part. I, I've always just genuinely cared about other people. That's that's usually a quality that's taught to us by our parents. And, and I had that uh, going into my corporate career. But the connecting part, the, the digging deep and finding out about why somebody is motivated, it wasn't even important to me. I figured, hey, you're here, you're employed. You know, the expectation is that you're going to to put in the effort and work hard. And I think to some degree that drives most people to to put in at least a, a modest effort. Yeah. But when you talk about getting someone to literally go the extra mile to, to give everything to the team, that's something where... You got to find out what's important to people. And what was really kind of, I guess, enlightening to me was how, how infrequently it was money. I always thought that everybody works hard because they want to make money and then money buys them things. And that is simply not the case. I've, I would say that over the course of my 30 plus year leadership career, it's probably maybe in the 10 to 20% range. And by the way, there's nothing wrong if you're driven by money, that that's fine you know, money is what provides for your family. It it helps you, you know, pay for your kid's education, whatever the case may be. But money in and of itself is very infrequently the primary reason someone does what they do. And it can be a lot of different things, but you won't know until you ask Mm -hmm. and, and you won't truly understand until you truly listen, because there's usually little subtle things in there that you can pick up on as you talk to someone about their motivators.
0: That is the, the difference, right? Is, is, and first of all, I agree with you that, that money is typically not, it is for some people, right? As you talked about, but I think it's something to be, that we ought to be cautious of to think that money is the number one driver for everyone because it's not. But what you just said there was so important. It's being disciplined enough to really listen to what your people are saying, because what drives them is in there somewhere and it's being disciplined enough to listen for it and look for it because then you can figure out what levers to pull when you're trying to either coach or even provide feedback or just to bring them to a higher level of performance because you're right it's not we're not motivating them we're just trying to find the right levers that gets them motivated is that fair
1: it is and and you know you are uh, a big advocate for disc and and i am as well and and obviously there's lots of different strength tests and personality tests that you can use. But that was the other real learning along my career was the importance of literally investing in that, like making that a part of your platform with each individual that you lead, understanding if they're D, I, S or C or whether it's a Myers Briggs or whatever, finding out what what uh how people like to be coached, how they like to be communicated with, what's going to inspire them besides just motivating and I have become just a huge advocate for DISC, especially having watched you teach classes and, and help people to better understand themselves. But clearly as a leader, you have to understand others through that same lens. You do, right? I mean, there is fairness
0: across the board, right? So you want to approach your team consistently, but how you manage one person is going to be different than somebody else, right? And you have to just adapt yourself. DISC is a great platform for that, just to adapt the way you're communicating with somebody. But I think it's on us as managers to invest the time, as you said before, to dig deeper, to really, truly understand your people and know that you're going to have to adapt and look for different things to help coach them.
1: One of the things that stands out for me when I talk about being fair is I felt like I needed to spend the same amount of time with people. I needed to have some type of relational connection with them. And it was so easy with some people, for some people, you know, if they were into sports like I was, or if they enjoyed fitness or, or something, it was so easy for me to connect with them. For the people that didn't enjoy the same things I did or do the same recreational activities, I found that the best way to make that connection was through that listening and through that genuinely being curious about them. I, I remember I had a gentleman that reported to me that was a figure skater. He liked figure skating. He actually performed with a local non-professional figure skating group in town. And I went and watched him perform a couple of times. Did you? And that helped me to understand his world a little bit better. And so I'm not big into figure skating. That wasn't a natural thing for me. But by being curious and going and watching him perform, it made all the difference. Obviously sitting there with his family and cheering him on, I'm sure that meant a lot to him. But I genuinely was curious. I wanted to learn more about why he did this and he put a lot of time into it. So, you know, if you find something that someone does that they invest a lot of their time in and then you show interest in it, it's amazing what can happen from there in terms of your relationships with others.
0: It is so true. And I'm sure after you did that, your relationship with him probably grew much deeper. You're yeah. much more connected. And it it does tie into what you said before, even the the, the caring piece. Right? It is connected to some degree but it is a little bit different too right so you're just going deeper into the connectivity piece of it yep wow that's fantastic you just reminded me i actually i had an employee who whose son played golf but was extraordinary at it, it was in college and I actually came to the area where i lived in because they were competing against another school and it was like 15 minutes from my house and i went and just you know spent an hour and just watched his son play with him and you're right. It's amazing how far that goes. It's the little things. An hour of my time, no big deal. But that's, that's the key here is, you know, as managers, we have to be willing to dedicate the time, right? It, and do it in many different ways. Right. That's a great story that you shared. Just shifting gears here, our journeys are, are similar, particularly when it comes to being in roles of management training, leadership development. So along your journey, you moved into a, a role where you were doing management training leadership development so i'm curious how did that happen because it's not like i don't know about you but for me it's not like one day i woke up and say yep today's the day i want to pursue a career in management training i'm curious to hear your story
1: so i was 20 years into my leadership career and i had been through different positions throughout that leadership but i always had direct reports most of them in commercial roles and the company. came to me. So it was actually one of my annual performance reviews where my boss was providing that and then was joined by his boss on the call. I'd never had that before where, you know, my boss's boss joined a, a performance review and they said, listen, we are creating a new position at the company that is specific to commercial leadership development. It was not an HR role. It was in the commercial organization, actually in the commercial learning and development department. And they said, we love what you do. You, your teams are always so highly motivated. They always perform well. We'd love for you to teach others how to do it. And it was a difficult decision, Rob. I I, I really enjoyed my team, first of all. Uh, I enjoyed the competition of being in a commercial leadership role. And the, the, the fruits of my, my labors. Like, I, if I did well, you know, you're compensated for it. So by going into leadership development, you, you lose some of those things. I lost my team. And some of the incentives that go with, with being in, in a commercial leadership role. But for me at the time, the idea of being able to contribute to the success of others and ultimately drive the company's performance. If I did my job well Mm -hmm. and, and leaders were that much better at leading their teams, I knew the company was going to perform better. So just having that ability to put my thumbprint on the organization and leave a legacy like that was enough to motivate me to dig in. But I will tell you, with all of my intuitive leadership skills, I was not at all ready to teach others. Uh, I had to put a lot of time and effort into learning what was out there, being certified in many of the courses that I valued, but I, I was not certified to teach them and reading a ton of books. I mean, I was devouring books usually about every two weeks. I was going through a, a new leadership book. Um, I was working remotely, so I had my evenings to myself. So uh, I was literally driving to Chicago. I would stay there for the week and come home on Fridays. So you can read a lot of books when you're sitting in a hotel room uh, night after night. And uh, I was amazed at this this journey that I'd been on 20, 30 years into it. And yet I was learning things that were completely new and fresh to me just by reading all these books. So that was that was primarily what motivated me and why I did what I did. And the result of that was that I have become absolutely fascinated with this topic. Yeah. Um, I, I love what you do. I, I think it's amazing for, for someone to be involved in helping to develop emerging leaders like you do. And and I just, I love doing that at the corporate level. There'll probably be a point in, at, at some point in my life where I just do this, you know, put a shingle out and, and do what you're doing. But until that time comes, it's nice working for a company as well. How long have you been in the role? This is at uh, the beginning of my eighth year. And wow. leadership development commercial leadership
0: development when you first took it did you think you'd be doing it for that long or you thought it would just be
1: that's a great question i i, w- I probably thought that at the time that it was going to lead to higher levels of, of leadership maybe you know get the into the c suite or something like that but as i've continued to do it and i'd be interested in your thoughts on this it has i have become that much more engaged with doing it yeah uh, you're never going to become a, a billionaire doing this I guess maybe if you write a few books, you you possibly could get wealthy, but it's not about the money for me. It's always been about how can I help others achieve their goals and reach their potential? And the opportunity to do this full time at a company that very much values what I do is all the reward that I need. Our careers are very similar in nature, where uh,
0: I wasn't looking to move into a leadership development role or management training role. Similar to you, it, it kind of found me. Where I was recruited to do it, and when I was asked, my first thought in my mind was training. I don't want to go to training. I want to <laughs> training, right? Uh, I have other career aspirations, and and it is interesting. When I took the role, it did appeal to me for many of the same reasons you talked about. And once I was in it, I truly loved it, and I realized how much I didn't know about
1: yeah.
0: yes people, right? To your point, once I started you know, reading and and getting certified in courses. And I thought I'd only be in it for like a year. I know many of you out there have heard the story before, but it's, it's important just to state how, how then I had a completely different shift. You know, I wanted to move on to other roles, but after a year or two, I sat back uh, and I realized how much I thoroughly enjoy helping current leaders or future leaders of tomorrow. It was very rewarding and felt that I could just keep doing this, you yeah. know, for the rest of my career and be yeah, very me happy too. doing it. Right. Me too. And for me, it did turn into, you know, launching a company, but regardless, it is, a, it, it is cool just to hear your story. And I think the other point around this too is this is very important for managers out there who are listening that you know great managers see the potential in their employees that they themselves don't say i never would have thought you know of, of taking this career path and it sounds like you didn't either it was presented. no
1: it wasn't on my radar right and shifting gears
0: again because sounds like your leadership journey is about to take another <laughs> turn <laughs> where it is. so it sounds like you are or you are running for public office is is that I correct so i am this is a whole new leadership journey for you. I just have to ask the question, particularly in this political environment that, that we're in in these days,
1: why? Why are yeah. you looking to do this? It's a good question that many have asked, including my spouse and my children. I'm sure um, I, I will tell you that I'm not very political. Now, that may sound weird to you. Somebody literally wants to become a public servant that's not very political. But I'm a very moderate person on the political scale, and I'm not driven by politics. I don't spend every day of my life thinking about what's going on at the federal or state level, like I have discovered many people that are seeking public office do. That said, I do believe that if I could use my leadership skills that I've developed and continue to hone as a leadership development uh, person and bring those to my town and maybe bring a little more civility to our local politics, um, maybe just a little more uh, level headed, more curiosity, listening more, as opposed to just making decisions and and driving them uh, through our town council and our mayor's office. I think I can make a difference. But I think the bigger part for me is I've, I've always believed that growth comes from challenge. And whether it's physical, uh, whether it's you know, running or lifting weights or whatever—you you have to go through the discomfort to 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 actually become better physically. The same is true for me cognitively. I, I'm pretty comfortable doing what I do. Uh, I've been doing it for seven years. You've been doing it for even longer, and and thirty plus years of leadership. So I am a very high touch, high connection type leader. This is the opposite of that. This is the antithesis of that. I won't be able to talk to every constituent. I won't be able to have that type of high, high touch connection. So I'm having to flex muscles that I've never had before or, or develop muscles that I've never had before. And so part of running for public office is also a test for me. If if I want to be able to connect with our senior leaders who have to be more visionary and have to think for more about the the entire organization and, and what that culture needs to look like and, and where we're going as a group, then. This is a perfect example of how I can build that skill set independent of necessarily being in the C suite myself. So there's a a lot that comes out of it. And the campaign has been probably one of the coolest things I've done in my life. Mm -hmm. Most of you probably would shudder at the idea of going and knocking on 2000 doors and, and asking people for their vote. And I, quite honestly, even having been in sales most of my career, also was very concerned about that part of it because of, as you mentioned, the divisiveness in our country today. And if you represent what party, what does that mean to someone that maybe affiliates with a different party? But I have had nothing but the complete polar opposite of, of that negativity. I have had people embrace me. I've had people that are on the other side of the political aisle, invite me into their homes, curious and wanting to know more about why I was doing this and, and what I thought I could do for the town. So. It's been an absolutely phenomenal experience, obviously, I've yet to get elected. That's coming up very soon here on November seventh. We'll find out more. But at this point i will I'll always look back on this experience and think that this was a huge growth opportunity for me, uh, especially from the standpoint again of of that visionary side of leadership, being able to kind of connect from a distance and and try to drive change without necessarily being able to Ask people questions about why they do what they do, and find out what their intrinsic motivators are. So there's a lot that's gone into it, and I've genuinely enjoyed every part of it.
0: We are very similar and like-minded, and I know that you know. I sit back and and see some of these political decisions that are made, and I sit back and just scratch my head. And there's no doubt in my mind. You put you know a handful of people like like yourselves in a room, anything can get figured out. Right from the business mindset and the leadership
1: perspective, and
0: that's kind of what's missing in politics. Yeah, it, it's. And,
1: I would agree with you completely on that, Rob. And I would even tell you, the whole idea of demonizing someone because they're with a different party, or maybe they lean more right or more left than where you are, is a tremendous mistake that we've got to get away from in our our country. Yeah, there is invariably every person that I've met along the way, including my opponent, including other town council candidates that, that think very differently than me. We all want what's best for this town. If you start with that and try to identify, well, what does that look like for you? And then just seek to understand, just stop talking, Mm -hmm. listen to what they have to say. It's amazing how often you can find things that you, that you can build on together. And that's what I hope happens. If I can get elected, regardless of who the other counselors or the mayor is from my standpoint, That's all I hope to do is, is just connect with everyone else, find those few topics that we all agree on. Let's start there. And, and I'm finding that, you know, things like we don't have a community center in our town. So there's no place for people to come together and be a community outside of our parks. Yeah. And so things like that, almost everyone genuinely agrees on. It's just a matter of finding the funding. Well, that can be done. We can find private partnerships. So whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, if we all agree that we want a community center, how do we make it happen? So it goes back to the same leadership principles we were talking about
0: before, does it not? If you have the best interest of, of your constituents in mind or your people that you're managing, that's what it comes down to. All the same net, you know, all the same basic leadership skills that we talked about, which unfortunately is often missing in the world of politics, is it not?
1: Yeah, Rob, I'll even take it a step further. I took my leadership model. When I was first writing up my platform and trying to identify what was it that separated me as a candidate, I went back to my leadership model. So everything that you see on my platform, if you were to go to my website, everything that you see in terms of we just recently had a town forum where we had to present our platform to the community, it all goes back to what what I think makes for a great leader. And so it depends on necessarily specific town issues. As I'm leaning on that leadership model, I'm finding that people are connecting with me more so than my opponent, uh, because he doesn't have that same background. Mm-hmm. He's just basically kind of throwing out there and hoping that it sticks. And mm-hmm. my approach is much more specific to who I am, why I'm running, and what I plan to do and how I'll do it. And it, it appears to be resonating. So fingers crossed, November 7th. And if you want to learn more, go to Timfrazinesville 01com and you can see you can see what I'm doing on my website.
0: Well, I give you a lot of credit. I think it's very commendable, you know, to Thank serve for public office. I wish you all the best and good luck with it. And, and again, for those of you out there, I challenge you just in terms of creating your own leadership model, right? Not just a typical canned comments and words that, that you often see managers spew out in front of their... Right front of their people, right? When you really actually put pen to paper and be very thoughtful about your leadership approach and, and, and putting together your own personal leadership model, I think you'll find you'll have just a more thoughtful approach and probably a better way of connecting with your people too, so.
1: Yeah, it's, it be definitely becomes more intentional yeah. when it's there on paper and it's, it's what you, after a couple of days of introspective thought and and whittling down all these different ideas, if that's what you come up with and that's your model and by the way i've helped hundreds of people develop these over the course of the last 7 or 8 years and i've never seen one even remotely close to the other right yeah. so it just goes to show you there's so many different things that lead to great leadership it's what you believe in and and if, if you can help others to see that and connect with it it will really really help your leadership career that's awesome well tim
0: i appreciate you coming on and sharing your leadership journey and and talking through your leadership
1: model It's been
0: a pleasure having you on. Thank
1: you so much, Rob. It's been great. Appreciate it.
0: Thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with a friend or colleague who you think might also get some value from it. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Leadership Jam Session Podcast.